right, look, good discussion, good conversation. But you know your boy got to do it. Right? We got to talk. Talking about relationship, talking about dating, marriage. We got to talk about sex. Hey everyone, this is Chris Colston. I'm here with Isaiah Tooks, Kimberly Lake, and Laria Reed, and we are Four Friends in a Book. So Four Friends in a Book is our monthly podcast series where we have a discussion centered around a book that we're reading together, and we meet here for the review of that book and any topics that may or may not relate to that book. So somewhat of a book club, book review, just mixed with table talk amongst friends. So First and foremost, if you guys haven't already, please like, share, subscribe on all social media platforms. Um, for our Facebook and YouTube viewers, we appreciate you guys. Hit, hit us up in the comment section. Um, and for our listeners on our podcasting services, leave us a review. We would love to hear from you guys. So, um, yeah, let us let us know what's going on. So, uh, Four Friends in the Book podcast, again, read books. And so the book for this month is a good one. I'm, I'm really excited about this discussion. I'm um, reading a book from Hill Harper. I mean, you guys know him from uh, CSI, um, Arthur, um, Harvard Law Degree. I mean, just brilliant guy. But the book for this month is The Conversation, How Men and Women Can Build Loving, Trusting Relationships. So good book for this month, good selection. And I think we got the perfect group of people right yeah. here on four friends in the book <laughs> to talk about it so we're all professional young adults um all single being that we're not married so i, I think we got the perfect crew to really unpack this book to discuss it to talk about it um so again the book is about the conversation trying to build better relationship with men and women um and try to bridge those gaps so yeah, what did you guys think about the book overall? And I'm coming, I'm coming to Ms. Lake first. What were your thoughts about this book? I thought that it was a really great book overall. Um, I think the title is perfect, the conversation, because when I listened to it, it sounded like he was having a conversation with me and the people throughout the book were having mm -hmm. a conversation and it gave a lot mm -hmm. of great nuggets about not just relationships, but how to deal with yourself and becoming a better mm -hmm. person your own so i think it's a really great book i think everybody should read it okay good good Isaiah, what were your thoughts brother well my thoughts about that i really actually enjoyed the book just like kim said i think that you know everything was um surrounded by you know the thoughts of men and women and what they view on how mm -hmm. a relationship should be you know they was honest they was vulnerable you know with telling their stories of what they like and you know what they dislike and i think like it, overall they actually about a hundred percent of their most authentic self about what they want what they expect about a relationship and what they're what they're actually willing to give themselves to put into that relationship and longevity of what they see themselves you know you had some married couples you had some single people so it was good to get that objective of both sides mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. that's good that's good Laria. 
Um, I can say both of what they said because it was, I mean, y'all took everything I wanted to say. It was a great read. I thought that it was very um, informative. Uh, I liked the fact that he went deep into why culture is the way it is now when it comes to relationships and looking a little more deeper than, oh, we just don't talk to each other. And, oh, you know, it goes a lot deeper than that. And then even with the previous relationships that a person has had and being emotionally unavailable and all those things, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great, great read. I think everybody should read that book. That was good. Mm -hmm. Good read. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Look, you guys know I'm, I'm a quote guy. So one of the quotes I wrote out, kind of the beginning of the book and kind of sets the tone for what Hill is trying to convey. He said, I'm very concerned about what is happening to the black family. Mm -hmm. I worry about I worry about my community um, and how it feels these days. We are regressing. We made huge leaps for in the 60s and 70s, but somehow we're not holding it together anymore. Um. And this fact is supported by the divorce rate within our community. So really telling book to really try to get to the root of what's going on with men and women, and especially with, with men and women in the black community. So um, I love the book, a lot of good information. And it's really just predicated on us having a conversation. Um, so yeah, and like, again, we got, we got some people here that can talk about this. So we actually gonna have our mini we have our mini conversation similar to the book. Uh, if you read the book and you follow Hill, he actually he's going through interview process with men and women throughout this journey, trying to figure out what men think, what women think. Um, like Isaiah mentioned, he's talking to you know married and single. He actually kind of I guess culminates this by having a party of just a mixture of people mm -hmm. and really having a, a conversation and a discussion about what they feel about relationships. So. I'm, I'm going to pull a few points from the book. We're going to do quick yes, no, and then we're going to get into our own mini conversation here on Four Friends in the Book. Uh, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So first question, again, yes, yes no, quick answers. Uh, and these are kind of ideas from the, from the book and just things I kind of pulled out on my own. So um, dating someone 10 years older or younger, yes, no. Loria. Yep. How's it? No. <laughs> Kim. Yes, I know. <laughs> Older, yes. Younger, no. Okay. okay. Yeah, younger, no. It's a no for me, too. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, next question. Living with someone before marriage. Start with Kim. Yes, no. No. How's it? Mom and daddy, no. <laughs> no. Okay. And that's actually a no for me. I didn't I didn't answer the first question. Uh no, I don't 10 years. I think within a 10-year period is good. Beyond that, it's, it's kind of a stretch. So yeah, that'll be a no for me. All right. Uh Next question. Prenup, no prenup. Isaiah. Yes. Maria. I can do a prenup. Yeah, I can do it. I mean, wait a minute. Are you asking me if I would agree to a man's prenup or if I would give him a prenup? Uh, both. I mean, it wouldn't bother me. 
could do it. It wouldn't. Okay. It wouldn't. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. All right, Kim. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, I, I don't know. So maybe I. I understand the intent. I also understand the other side of it. I don't know. It's amazing. Maybe. Well, I don't think I would give anybody a prenup, but if he had a lot of assets or something, he asked me to find something. As long as it was fair, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I think that you know, just basically protects yourself in a situation. I mean, when we go into these situations lovingly, you know, everything is smoother, but when things are toxic, terrible, that's when you see the bad side. So I think it's best to go in a situation protecting yourself. Not saying you're ready to get a divorce, but just in case we go down that road, I'm, I want to be able to protect myself. I gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So interracial dating. Maria. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I could maybe. I couldn't say uh, yes. I love black men. So that's my preference. But I mean, if he's like mixed or something like that, maybe, you know. Samoan. I would never say right. I would never say no. I would never say no to anything, you know. Okay. Uh, for me, I jump in there. Um, at this point, I think no. At, at one point, it was a yes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm at a no at this stage of life. So, Ken, what about you? Uh, no, as well. <laughs> She's killing me with these no's. She's so serious with it. <laughs> All right, Isaiah, interracial dating, yes, no, maybe. Yes. All right. Hey, Isaiah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so this question is for the for the women, and it was kind of one of the points that was pulled out from the book. Um, do you feel valued by black men? Yes, no, sometimes. What are your thoughts? You want me to go? Were you sure. asking? Do I feel valued? Mm -hmm. This is a yes or no question, still, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do feel valued by black men. I do. Okay. Yes, as well. All mm -hmm. right. So this this for me and Isaiah to answer. So, uh, do we feel valued by black women? So Isaiah. Yes. All right, and I I feel the same way as well. It was, that was kind of an interesting point. So in the book, you we follow along and hear interviews people. And so there was a lot of conflicting, I guess, uh, notions about feeling valued, primarily, I think, from the world of men and the women. But it was kind of interesting to hear that. So that's why I wanted to kind of ask that question. Uh, well, yeah. All right, so look, for <laughs> the book podcast, we got four people right here. We finna have this conversation. You better open it up. Look, again, we are all young professionals. You know, mm -hmm. back in the day, we should have been married already and had ten kids, but we are not. So let's let's unpack that. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's discuss. 
Um, we, we're going to go through a series of just asking our own questions of each other and kind of unpacking and having a discussion. So, yeah, we're going we gonna, to we gonna get into it. I'm, I'm going to let Loria kick it off. So, so go ahead with your, with your question. Let me get my question. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you guys, where do you think the roots of problems lie when it comes to creating stable, loving relationships? Like, where do you think the root of the problem is when you're creating a loving and stable relationship? And I can start with whoever wants to go first. The root of the problem. What do y'all think? I'll go. Okay. I think the root of the problem a lot of the times is communication issues. Um, I think communication is, miscommunication is, I think, the biggest breakdowns for relationships, whether it's with money, finances, sex, whatever it is. I think the miscommunication between the two people in the relationship is the breakdown or where the issue or the root of the issues lie, in my opinion. Hmm. That's a good one. That sounds good. What about you, Isaiah? You know, I, I think... Well, most couples, they don't realize that, you know, no matter how many times you enter into like a new relationship, you will still end up with that same person, only the same, only the names and their face change because you looking for that same type of person. And this is because you attract basically who you are. So if you want to attract a better partner, become a better person. You know, uh, for me, I am closest to 40 than I am 20. So I can't go dating based on potential anymore. I think sometimes that we go into these situations, we see red flags and we hoping they turn into green flags. And, you know, even the Bible talks about, you know, being equally yoked. And if I'm grinding, setting myself for, for just basically, you know, the building my family, wealth, generational wealth, it would be not right for me to be with someone who actually has a spending problem and has no goals. And basically, I'm just using it for an example. Well, you better. I yes, know. sir. <laughs> I heard that. Yes, sir. I, I, thought my, I, thought boy, I thought my boy about to do a little rant over here. He, he, got, <laughs> he did. He did a mini one. He did a mini one. What about you, Chris? Oh, man, I think it's a combination of a few things. But if I had to kind of sum it up, and it was kind of the one of the points within the book, I think we are fearful. I think we are afraid. I think um, even to Isaiah's point, you know, being with someone is not, you know, that you're not equally yoked to. So there's that fear that you may be doing something. Or you may be motivated by something that someone else isn't. Um, even to Kim's point, fearful to have these tough dis uh, conversations and discussions mm -hmm. like there, there's just so many things that have driven a wedge into mm -hmm. fostering good relationships and friendships um, and, and creating this this bond that will really allow relationships to kind of flourish and so I, but if I had to kind of sum it up I, I think it is fear you know you think about divorces and the divorce rate so Mm -hmm. We kind of hit on prenups, you know, people are going into it with the fear that it may not work mm -hmm. I mean, it may mm -hmm. not, it, it may not end well. And so I, I think there's a lot of fear now for some reason that is, you know, kind of snowballing and creating issues within relationships. So. Mm -hmm. That's good. Good question. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like your upbringing has a lot to do with how you express love mm-hmm. and what you've seen growing up in your family um, culture. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think that um, not stating what you want up front <laughs> is something that can cause kind of like what Chris was talking about with the fear but just not coming out and saying, you know, like, look, this is what I want. This is what I will not do. This is what I will do. And um, the third thing I think is um, I had to get rid of that notion that just because a guy is a good guy doesn't mean he's a guy for me. So I think that that's something that floats around. It's like, because there's so many people that are like, you need to hook up with him and you need to talk to him. But he could be a great guy. But he just ain't... For you, and it's okay, especially in the church world. It's always like, he's single, you're single, you love Jesus, he loves Jesus, go, you know. And it's like, no, I don't think so. We don't, we don't, we aren't equally yoked. <laughs> Other than we love Jesus, you know. So I think that that's the, um, that's kind of the root of things is in creating not, you know, just keeping everybody out and really stating what you want and developing yourself. So, yeah. I said about five different things, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Like that good old church hookup. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, oh, <laughs> <Had> a quarter. <laughs> All right. So we have the next question. Who wants to ask the question to the to the group, to the audience? And even for those that are viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on Facebook and YouTube. Like, drop drop some of your questions in the chat. We want to hear from you guys too. So, so I think I had the next question. Um, Larry, it was interesting you asked that question because I actually want to piggyback off your um question as well too. You know, in this book, you know, Hill Harper tries to find the roots of the breakdown of the black family and the relationship mm-hmm. between black women and men. So, what do you guys believe are the root issues of the breakdowns in these black families? Hmm. Or just between men and women. I and think. I oh, I'm sorry. Kim Lake. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I wouldn't let them take that out. I'm like, go Kim, go 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 go. Hey, switch it up. Let the whole look. Let the whole thing. <laughs> I think the. Um, in the book, they explore about just the historic, the historical context of black people in America mm-hmm. and how that added society pressure of like racism and mm-hmm. all the things we had to face put an extra load on our relationship. So I think mm-hmm. um, all those things added to the breakdown of the family, even them talking about welfare and how you can't have like a working man in the home. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we need assistance. So you got to go. So I think mm-hmm. it's just the cycle of that happening to us since the beginning of us being here. And I think just over time, you know, it's hard to break cycles like that. You know, usually monkey see, monkey do. You rape if you're raised mm-hmm. in a family like that. I mean, if that's all you know, you probably replicate that in your own life and family, and that just keeps going on. And also to your point, the breakdown mm-hmm. between um, black men and women. I know in the book they talked about how usually um, 
the one of the guys saying like if a, a white couple got in the argument like mm-hmm. the argument would stay with what the man did but a lot of times in black relationships it w- won't just stay there it'll say black men and put indictment on the whole community mm-hmm. so we just have we have that mixture in ours and i just think that adds to the pressure and the breakdown of our families and relationships mm-hmm. great answer that was a very good answer and Mr. Coaster, I'm gonna come in next. Yeah, uh, Kim made a good point. I don't really have much to, to even add. Mm-hmm. I think what she said is kind of good. Um, one of the points that Hill kind of captured in the book is that I think, and I wrote it down. So in 1966, more than 84% of black children were raised by two parent households. Mm-hmm. And 2006, that number had dropped to less, fewer than 33%. So significant mm-hmm. drop um, within the two-parent <clears throat> household. And so it's really been an, an attack on our our family structure. Um, you know, when you think about, when I think about growing up, you know, having your grandparents, your uncles, your aunts around you, um, you know, having your parents, and even my parents are still together now. Um, just that structure and that environment, it really does take a village to raise, you know, a child. And so when we have kind of been separated from that, whether that's been through, you know, legal means as far as, you know, certain uh, subsidies or support um, that doesn't allow for both parents to be in the house if you're getting some type of assistance Mm -hmm. Uh, or we just get into to the discussion about teenage pregnancies and, and now you have, you know, just younger parents and younger grandparents. And so a lot of those traditions and those morals and values that were taught, they're not being passed on um, now. And I think it is kind of our the family structure is kind of eroding. Uh, I don't really know what the real root of it is, but I just know we we have to do something to to get it back um and and again i think this book does a good point of trying to capture and bring it out if nothing else just to have the conversation about it so. okay yeah, yeah. Very good answer, man. can you say the question one more time <laughs> okay yes the question is what do you believe that the root issues of these breakdowns between you know the black men and the black women as it pertains to like the family life okay yeah Okay, well, I think that um, a lot of negativity from outside people (laughs) and what they've experienced is kind of like what everybody talks about and it affects the structure of how you view each other. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what Kim said and what Chris said, great point. And I'm adding to what they said, which is I think a lot of outside influences like if you speak to someone who's been hurt or scorned by someone who's, you know, a black woman or black male, it's going to be like, you know, these men, they da 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 da. And then they have you looking like, you know, okay, well, let me start paying attention. And it could be nothing there and you make it into something because you've been influenced by someone like your mom or your aunt or someone who's of influence to you. And so I feel that that's been. Um, a lot of the problem, even for men, you know, it's like, you know, these black women, they just, they want to make their money, they sell it, they want to, but every woman isn't like that. Maybe that's who you encounter, but I think that we generalize each other when it's not like that. And I've been guilty of doing that with, 
not necessarily with men and women, but you know, professions and stuff like, you know, them whatever they they act like, but that's not necessarily true. It's the person, and I think we have to not necessarily judge people, but accept the behavior from individuals. You know, okay, I think that's important. Good question. Good answer. I'm sorry. And you, and, you know, my answer would be as well, too, that, you know, basically, you know, when we see our parents' generation, you know, they, they marry and they stay for the long run. Like any disagreements mm-hmm. that they actually had, they tried to work it out, you know, and get over the hump and, you know, just try to keep their family structure in line. And, you know, what you see today is one little thing and we're ready to go to divorce court. And I think a lot of the things that I actually actually read in the book was that, even if we having a difficult time with our partner, I think it's best to communicate with your significant other rather than going to an outside influence. Because once we make up, that, uh, this, you know, either the other person or your family members will be looking at that person like, why would you go back? They did such and such. So I think if you're mad, it should be between you two. If you're happy, it should be between you two. You know, I think that's how you build a bond. That's how you build the trust. That's how you're able to depend, codepend on each other. So I think that, like you, like all y'all said, like outside influence should basically just stay outside, and your relationship between that person should between you, between you and the other person. Mm-hmm. Good. Look, so keep keep your family out. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. What we didn't talk about, though, is that women are able to make their own money now. So a lot of people are not putting up with stuff that my grandma, you know, my grandma was making money doing what she did. She might, I don't know if she would have stayed with my grandfather. You know what I'm saying? So we're in a different culture. We're not in survival mode anymore. So nobody has to be with anybody anymore for anything. And I think we've got to think outside of the box. Yeah, but even with that, though, Loria, because we, I think, that's creating a new stereotype. So now it's the thing of where you don't need a man. So historically it was like, you, you need a, a partner. You need a, I'm a husband or a wife. You know, you needed a, a two incomes to really make it. And so mm-hmm. you kind of hear different opinions about that. But you know, even you mentioned like the stereotypes that we have, it's like we're stereotyping each other. We, we're coming to these situations yeah. with prejudice against each other. And I think that's still driving a wedge. So as yeah. things are evolving, we're still creating these new mindsets that aren't really helping us to come together is still kind of divisive to a certain degree. That's right. <laughs> right. We just go sit here and we go <laughs> like, Well, I have a question. I can go for my question. question. Mm-hmm. So, men and women communicate differently. I mean, we have Tons of podcasts on this, books, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Like we're just different, general generally speaking, we're different in our communication. So how can we bridge the gap between men and women in this this miscommunication or difference in com- communication with each other? And I'll start with um Isaiah. Okay. You know, I, I think a lot of the breakdown in mis- this miscommunication actually starts with when we go into these relationships with these imaginary checklists. And I'm, I'm telling you and I'm telling anyone that you don't have to actually settle for scraps, but you do have to be realistic in what you want and what you expect out of your person and especially what you actually bring to the table. Don't be expecting me to bring the whole table when you only come with plastic forks and spoons. And you have to be honest with yourself and what you value yourself and actually what you value out of other people. 
And I don't believe that we need to just find someone just exactly like us in every single way, but you do need to find someone that actually have their own life. Basically, y'all actually are coexisting together. You know how I feel about these legacy and dynasties coming together. But, you know, <laughs> when I look into my significant other, you know, basically I... I, I envision myself with her because of what she brings, how much of important that she is basically to my life. And you know that we're on the same page and we actually want the same thing, same things out of life. Hey, that boy, that boy was getting a little, little heated over there. He, he's speaking from experience. And you bring your plastic forks and knives to the table. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, dying. Man. Man, I don't know why I keep forgetting the question because I've been getting so caught up in what y'all do. <laughs> no, sure. I'm going to throw it to you. What can we do to fix this communication gap between men and women? Okay. Um, now I forgot my answer. I was like, what? I'm so caught up in his, his question, honestly. I, I just, Why do that rain? <laughs> yeah, I was like all in it and now I forgot everything. Um, to bridge the communication gap between men and women, I think for me, I have to talk to other men that are trusted voices to find out how I should say certain things. Like if I'm talking to my homegirl, like I can call you and be like, girl. <laughs> and you're going to take it and be like, oh, yeah, you know, because I'm used to talking to Kim as a female. But I feel with men, sometimes you can't say certain things the way we interpret because we understand each other because we're of the same species. You guys have a different language. You need to see things. You know, I could say like, me and Chris and Kim had a conversation about what we were talking about cutting the grass. And I was saying, yeah, I would hire somebody to just cut the grass. Like I've always done that anyway. And I'm like, you know, especially if I had a family, like, yeah. And Chris was like, why would I do that when I have a lawnmower? I can do my own grass. Da, 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 da. And me and Kim was trying to get him to understand that, but he didn't get it. Then he sends us a video on Instagram like, oh, I get it now because somebody was like, <laughs> Somebody showed why they had somebody come and clean up and why they had somebody to come. And so he was like, oh, I get it now. But he had to see it in a different way. So a lot of times, if it's something any man, I always ask Chris or Isaiah or a good friend of mine or whoever, like, what, how should I say this? Or mm -hmm. how do I need to have this talk? I think that that helps by having male not don't go to any man <laughs> but men who who can you know give you good advice i think good advice is very much needed mm -hmm. so. trusted advisor yeah okay sounds good chris uh, i think we just gotta talk man it, I, I think we literally have to communicate um Especially considering that we know that there's a difference. I mean, we know that men hear things differently. We know that women express things differently. They may be a more emotional or men are more, you know, kind of task oriented. So even the concept of, you know, we always hear like women, women just want to vent and talk about their day. They don't need you to solve their problem. They just want to talk about it and express it. Whereas the man is thinking the whole time, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? So 
it's like we're learning these things, we're learning these, you know, behaviors and how to make adjustment, but it's still as if we are assuming that the other person should know this off top and we're not expressing or communicating our desires and we are letting our expectations fail us because we are withholding these words to really say, hey, like this is how I feel. Um, or this when I say this, this is what I, I'm, I'm meaning or this is what I'm trying to express. So um, it's really just trying to trying to create an environment, trying to create a space where you feel comfortable to communicate in a safe space and not um, in a hostile environment and is not received negatively. I mean, you know that you have a partner that has your back. And so even when you say something that may be kind of out of terms or out of the normal, that you know, it, it's genuine um, and, and you're really trying to learn from that situation opposed to, you know, you're saying something and then and expecting something else um and, and and getting upset because you don't receive it so even like so he'll mention in the book how women to get together and you know have a have a spy day or you know they get give their girlfriends and then create create an environment where they can really talk and like express themselves and so his point was like why don't when women have something to talk about like why don't they create that same space with men or Create a, create a space where men like enjoy. So maybe not the spa or the nail salon, but like go sit at the bar, like go watch a game and like slowly kind of unfold these things. So it's like, I feel like the information is there. We're just not utilizing it. So. Sounds good. Okay, I'm a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for me, I think Two, he talked about in the book being honest in your communication. Um, he hit on how, say, a woman, a woman might say, in, be insecure about how she's looking, might have gained a few pounds or something. And instead of being honest with that about her partner, she'll say, like, does this dress make me look fat? And so he's like, okay, if he gives an honest answer, it's like, what? You think I'm fit? You know, instead of just being honest about how you're really feeling. And I think both men and women need to tap into how they're really feeling about something and be able to have that vulnerability and be comfortable. And like Chris said, Chris said, have the environment to where you can be honest. So where you won't have that breakdown. I think a lot of times there's a lot of dishonesty about how we're really feeling about something. And that can cause the problem with communication between men and women. Okay. All right. Look, good discussion, good conversation, but you know, your boy got to do it. We got something. Talking about relationship, talking about dating, marriage. We gotta talk about sex. So <laughs> why why is sex and finance? So my question, yeah, why is sex and finance such a taboo topic or a conversation piece within you know relationships? Like why are we so hesitant? to talk about those areas when they seem to be kind of the leading cause of divorce uh, with their marriage. And usually when you hear about people talking about, you know, why that marriage didn't work, it was usually, you know, something about finances or, or the lack of sex. So knowing this, why are we not talking about this and having these discussions prior to? And who, who I'm coming to first? Oh, oh, Larry gave me an eyebrow. <laughs> There you go, Loria. Oh, yeah. Look, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's go into this whole sex thing. Okay. So, 
it's the vulnerability of the naked truth, <laughs> literally. With sex, you're uncovering everything. With finances, you uncovering everything. Like nobody goes around showing their credit score and how much money they have in the bank. You can assume it all day. I can drive a nice car, I can do whatever. And I might have a negative balance of $120. You wouldn't know that by looking at me. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's the vulnerability that a lot of us have not experienced so that we can just talk about those things where it's like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is how much I owe. This is what I got going on. And I think it's like that fear of rejection too. Like, what if you don't like it? I guess sex. And what if you don't like these finances, the money? You know, and how much I owe, because when you get married to me, you're taking on what I got. And I think that a lot of people just don't want to talk about that because it's a very vulnerable thing. Yeah, it's very vulnerable. So That's good. That's good. Isaiah, what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, my thoughts on the first I want to uh gravitate towards a sex situation i think you like men and women don't really talk about that outside of your friends because you don't want to be looked at in a certain type of way i, I can understand that I, I i asked a woman point of view about that as well too nobody really wants to talk about body um body count and you know we're at this age where we're, we're young but we're responsible adults so you know we we we've been in these situations and we we know we like we know what we want and we know what you know what we ask for in our partner. As far as like with finances, you know, I think y'all stated before that we are professional adults, so we we have actually worked so hard to obtain this type of situation to be financially free. So you want to be with somebody that actually brings out the best and you know shoots for the stars and just want the that goes but you know like Laurel says that sometimes you have to be vulnerable like yeah hey this is what I got this is what I'm going for this is what I want to do but you really like I said before I really don't like to set up for potential I like to set up for what you actually show me that's good that's good I, I think for me man it's, it's really one of those things where and Laurie kind of touched on it. Like we, we just it's, it's so vulnerable it's so it's one of those areas I mean even you know mm -hmm. You grow up like you don't hear um, about your parents' finances. You know, you don't hear about, you know, sex or anything. You know, even we talk about um, we've talked about it in the past, like, you know, even the topic of sex within the church is like just such a taboo and touchy subject. Um, like we know what's happening. Like these babies coming from somewhere. So, like, we know right. these things are happening. But it's just it's, it's so, I guess, vulnerable and it's leaving people. Um, kind of leave you in the dark because you you're afraid to have the discussion, and then like it's almost like you're you get too deep or you in too deep, mm -hmm. and then you find out. So then things are re revealed, whether it's about your finances or your sex life or desires, and then your partner's like like I ain't cool with that. <clears throat> but if we would have had those conversations, you know, up front, and I ain't saying first date. Like I I heard the discussion to talk about. You know, on the first date, I don't know what your credit score is. I don't know how much bank account was in your bank account, like how much student loans you got. Like, I, I don't I don't think that's appropriate. Um, but once you get to a certain space with someone, um, there should be a discussion. And, and again, considering that divorce is predicated often on sex and finances, like those should be things you talk about. You know, what's enough sex? What's too much sex? You know, how much? 
um, student loans are you comfortable with? You know, how much debt are you are you comfortable with? Um, even when you're talking about, you know, Isaiah, like building this legacy and this empire, like how do you do that um, without having those discussions and really planning and, and trying to apply out, you know, your future? So we just, we got to have those conversations and considering mm-hmm. the severity of these two topics, like we, it's a must that we, you know, start talking about them, so. All right, I'm gonna say my little piece. Look, Miss Lake, what you got on this topic? <laughs> um, I will piggyback off of Laria and the vulner- vulnerability, but I think in that, I think it's the fear of maybe being rejected um, mm-hmm. about your decisions or what you may have done or like shame attached to it. So you kind of mm-hmm. afraid about what somebody might think about you. Mm-hmm. So the finance is like, Oh, like I racked up all this student debt or I, I was wilding out at one point in my life. I got all this credit card debt. debt. Now I'm ashamed about it. You know, mm-hmm. so wanting to share that um, can make people want to hide it because I think the shame of it. So I think once people own what they've mm-hmm. done and, you know, you might have done like with finances, made some bad decisions or even sexually, if you, you feel like you. Uh, I know everybody talks about body count and all that stuff, but whatever it may be, sex-wise, mm-hmm. with you, um, mm-hmm. I think once you own who you are and, you know, forgive yourself if you feel shame or fear rejection about what somebody might think or say, once you get comfortable in yourself, I think you're more ready to share that and be open about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just basically getting rid of the fear of rejection of what people might think or the shame <laughs> might feel attached will kind of keep you quiet about certain things. So I think getting good with yourself, forgiving yourself and owning, you know, this is just my life, this is my history, whatever, this is me and laying it out on the table, I think that will help in these discussions that typically don't happen but should happen before you especially marry somebody, uh, your sex life and your finances. So that's my little spiel. Good answer. That was very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. That was good. So again, four friends in a book podcast. Um, reading and reviewing um, the conversation by Hill Harper. Um, definitely a good read. If you have any desires to be in a relationship, to be married, I think it is a must that you have a conversation. Um, and I think we kind of talked about it in the past as well. Like you have to get to a space where you are whole within yourself. Um, so whether that's you, you know, coming to terms with things that you may have done and, and kind of getting rid of that shame or whatever it may be um, until you get to that space, it's hard, it will be hard for you to be in a relationship with someone else um, and to be um, to have these expectations of them when you haven't really kind of gotten yourself to that space. So um, we got to do the work on ourselves and we got to have the conversation. So. Excellent book for this month. And I think we it was perfect for us because we got the people here on four friends in a book that can talk about it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, so great selection. If you haven't read it, definitely go check it out. And man, look, here, I need to hear from you, bro. What <laughs> happened to my girl? The, what happened to my girl Nicole? Like, what, oh, you don't talk yeah. about that. What happened to Nicole? One of my I was just talking to somebody about it today. I was telling her this was the book we were doing. And she was like, girl, I was looking on social media for Nicole. I was Googling that everything. I, to, I was like, maybe I'll try to find I, I tried to Google something, but I couldn't find it. So Nicole, Nicole needs to hit us up. That's what yeah, we need to hear from Nicole. <laughs> or is that even her real name? Well, you're right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. 
right, so again, if you've been rocking with four friends for a while, you 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 know what time it is. We we have this little piece every episode, which we call the rant. 60 seconds. Uninterrupted. Somebody speaking from the heart. Whatever's on their mind, we don't debate it. We don't contest it. And you know we got Mr. Rant Man. He hit hit us every time. We never know what we're getting. But my brother Isaiah, too, is about to step up and uh, take another hit at this rant. So we about to, he, he had a little mini rant on this earlier. You know, he started talking about these relationships. <laughs> I don't know what we get, and we never know what we get. But my brother, look, do your thing starting, starting now. Go. For the past two weeks, the world has watched the devastation happening in Ukraine. But what I don't want to happen is Brittany Griner's stories to get lost in that situation. Brittany Griner, a seven-time WNBA All-Star, two Olympic gold medal, and a championship ring, plays professional basketball overseas in Russia during her offseason. And since February, it has been reported that Brittany has been retained by the Russian government and could face up to 10 years in prison. What Brittany had was hash oil, which is most often um, used for anxiety, to reduce inflammation, and to manage pain. And it's easy to see why she was using it. And since it was in her handbag, my guess is she was probably forgot it was in there. And in other countries, it probably would be it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But in Russia, it is a big deal, and especially Russia right now. And I personally wouldn't have gone there right now. But when she has actually played there over the years, she probably didn't think it was actually a big issue. Regardless of the opinions around the WNBA, black women athletes, drug usage, a U.S. citizen is being detained. It's really serious. And I hope she doesn't become a pun in this game between two countries. And sending thoughts and prayers are sometimes thought of as cliche. But in this moment, this is all we have. But in today, I'm sending all mine to Brittany Griner. May she return home soon and safe. And that's that on that. That's good, bro. That's good. And I think I, I think she may have, have kind of getting getting lost with everything else that's going on. But I, I can only imagine that situation being very scary, considering that you're stuck in another country and a, a war is going on. So, um, yeah, let's definitely keep her in our thoughts and prayers and. Hopefully she'll have a safe and quick return uh, back home. So good. That's good. All right. So four friends in a book podcast. Just wrapped the the rant. Just wrapped this book. Um, the conversation by Hill Harper. So, you know, as always, we 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 read books over here um every month. We want you guys to read with us. So Isaiah, tell them about the book for next month. Hey guys, you know, before we let you go. We want to join. We want you to actually join us in our next discussion as we discuss how the word is passed by Clint Smith. This book is a New York Times bestseller and is on a short list of every single list that you can actually think of. And now is on the radar of four friends in a book. And you don't want to miss it. Lorel, tell the viewers when they can tune in. You guys can tune in to four friends in a book every third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every third Thursday. So go ahead on, put us in your phone, lock us in so that you can do that and watch us and be with us and read with us. And our YouTube family is growing. So if you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and yes. follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Four Friends in a Book. 
Okay. Yeah, guys, as always, we appreciate you guys rocking with us. Also, be looking out for those Arthur Spotlights. We're, we're featuring Arthur's as a new addition of our uh, Four Friends podcast as well. Uh, so be looking out for those. Uh, and as always, guys, we thank you for your time, for joining with us. Let's continue to read, let's learn, let's grow, and let's have a discussion here on Four Friends in the Book. Thank you.